0: Hey everybody, it's Allie. And welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, August 4th, 2013. I guess this is the last of Michelle Stafford. I think we've seen the final Phyllis scenes. Friday felt like a goodbye to me. Um a lot of Tears. It just felt like an, an ending. So I can't imagine that there's a whole lot more to come, but a whole lot happened before that. So let's back up and just start at the beginning the week in Phyllis. When Monday's show opened up, Phyllis could still, she was still conscious. She had her eyes open. She was somewhat alert. She just couldn't communicate. She was struggling to communicate. And Jack is sitting by her bedside obliviously in love with her, happy to see her, believing 100% that he's going to go on and have a happy life with her, that they're going to move on from this, she's going to wake up, they're going to get married. He proposes to her. He puts the ring on her finger, and he's saying all of these wonderful things, and we get this voiceover. Since Phyllis can't talk, we get, as an audience, we get this voice over the scene of Phyllis saying, of course I'll marry you, Jack, but I have to tell you about Summer. And she's struggling to say what she needs to say. She can get out a few words here and there, but it's not a full sentence. And I did feel an understanding of how frustrating it must be to need to speak and to not be able to. So I think that that feeling Phyllis was having was definitely translating onto me as the viewer. Now, (laughs) Sharon is hovering in the background. She's kind of peeking through the hospital door window onto this scene of Jack and Phyllis, and I'm thinking, "'Oh, Lord.'" please don't let Sharon come into that room and smother her or something. That was my initial reaction. I really thought, oh my gosh, Sharon is going to grab a pillow, put it over Phyllis's face, and that is going to be the end. (laughs) I'm so glad that that's not what happened. Instead, there was this moment where Phyllis and Sharon lock eyes. And Sharon, I think, is very thrown off by this. She doesn't know what her fate is. Phyllis kind of holds the key to her fate. And Phyllis can't speak. And it, it you could tell it just took everything in Phyllis to, to say something. She wanted to say something and she could say nothing. And there is a wonderful moment in the voiceover where Phyllis actually says, I'm going to rip Sharon's face off, which I thought was hilarious. I I should have gone back like two videos ago, two weeks ago. I literally said, Phyllis is going to rip Sharon's face off. And here we are, confirmed. I feel as though I've really gotten inside the mind of Phyllis. I, at this point, know what the characters are going to say. But it was just this standoff moment, almost old Western style, like who's going to blink first? Who's going to move? Is Sharon just going to come in and kill Phyllis? Is Phyllis going to and instead Phyllis is so upset over not being able to communicate that she starts convulsing and she nobody knows what's going on the doctors come into the room, kick everybody out and Jack and Sharon have this moment together in the hall which uh, was kind of revolting in a way because Sharon gives Jack this hug and she's giving him this False support in a way, saying, I'm here for you, I'm just here, you know, you must be going through so much, Jack. And it's actually Sharon trying to cover her own butt and trying to get information about what Phyllis's condition is, if she said anything, if Phyllis is going to end up blowing Sharon's secret sky high. I I really hope in that moment, I thought, oh, I hope that Sharon doesn't try to make a move in on Jack. I really don't, because I just don't trust Sharon at all anymore. I don't know if she's going to you know, move in on your man or smother you with a pillow. I just don't know what she's going to do. She's such a wild card. Although, by the way, I don't know if anybody noticed, but Sharon had on this really pretty necklace in that scene. It was like a half moon, like a crescent moon sort of gold necklace. She looks really good. I've been really admiring some of uh, the, the way Sharon's been dressed later in the week She had this little blue dress with another cool necklace So Sharon's looking good right now At least that's the one great thing we can say about her But Now After Phyllis has gone through this convulsing The doctor comes out and gives us the bad news That Phyllis has now lapsed into a coma And she may never wake up Hmm so that's that. That's that's the last we're going to be hearing from Phyllis, anyway. Now, onto the scene comes Daniel. And it was really nice to see Daniel. He's a familiar face, especially in the midst of all this medical drama. And he has a connecting moment with Summer where, you know, we realize that Daniel's really the only part of her family that's staying the same. He's he's her brother. He always has been. He always will be. This is something that that Summer can at least count on. But it was also just, in general, nice to see him... Involved. I mean, like, there were some really good flashbacks. We're starting. We got the flashbacks that I had requested last week. I was very upset that there were not more flashbacks, and now this week, tons of flashbacks, which I enjoyed on many levels. But it was interesting to see Daniel as someone who really has grown up on the show. Some of his younger moments, where he's got shorter hair or longer hair, you know, he's really grown up. Um, and it was interesting to see his face, um, throughout time. Um, and also I, I, I really think that guy is sexy. Michael Graziade, I don't know how to say his name or whatever, but he is really a good looking guy, and he's funky, and I, I, can't think about Daniel without thinking about how YNR totally wasted him. He could have been the coolest guy in town. And instead, he just never worked, especially toward the end. I guess I couldn't say never because he did have the romance with Lily and there was a lot of, Daniel's had a lot of good moments, but toward the end, man, they just weren't getting him right at all. But Anyway, I would love to see him come back. I would love to see him come back if he could get done right. But it was nice to see him even for a little bit. Now, Daniel... All of a sudden there's kind of this talk about Phyllis's advanced directive as in what happens to her you know if if she's in if she's in this situation what happens to her does she want him to pull the plug what is what does Phyllis want done with her body and uh, it, I sort of realized in that moment like oh this is where we're heading Daniel's got something on his mind. Daniel has come back into town. He's got some fury about him, um, possibly a little bit of guilt, realizing that this has happened to his mother, and he really wasn't around for it. So you can tell he's got something that he wants to enact, and there's this wonderful little scene where Jack is sitting by Phyllis's bedside, and... He's reading to her from whatever book she was reading. She probably had it on her nightstand. He picks it up. He he flips through it. And he also finds her to-do list inside the pages of the book that she was using as a as a bookmark and jack's sitting by her reading her reading to her from the book and then going over her to-do list and there's one thing on the list that was um it was summer related i think it was buy up every copy of the magazine that summer's going to be in and jack said i'll take care of that for you and then there was something having to do with him and a surprise she was creating for him and he was you know asking her a little bit i mean she's unconscious and he's saying so what was this surprise. It was just, that was a good moment. I I should have rewound that and watched that a couple of times, but Daniel comes into the background, and he observes kind of what's going on between his mother and Jack, and he reveals, finally, that his plan is to take his mother to Georgia with him. He wants (laughs) to take her To an experimental facility for coma patients. (laughs) I'm sorry, but an experimental facility for coma patients off the coast of Georgia. How soap opera is that? I mean that would probably never happen in real life. I, it's just it's a it's, it conjures some weird uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest sort of imagery, and uh, it's. I feel like it was, it's kind of, this is just me. I mean, I understand it's storyline driven, but I think it's kind of a jerk move for Daniel to come in and try to take charge of the situation and insist on taking Phyllis away from the family. He's isolated out there in Georgia. He doesn't even live next door to the facility. It's still even a couple of hours away from him. But he wants to take Phyllis away from the majority of her family to take her to this facility. And I thought, well, that's just kind of, um, I just think it's kind of jerky of him. But on the, you know, I understand that it's storyline driven. And I do think it at least leaves the door open for a return. You never know when Phyllis is going to pop up out of that coma. But I thought it made Daniel look a little bad. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't been around in a while, and he just kind of comes back and is going to take Phyllis away from everyone in her family. He really had a fury about him. He p- p- pretty much tells everybody off. I mean, when he has this idea, he starts to tell the family members one by one and nobody is happy about it. Immediately, everyone is resistant. No, we're not going to let you take Phyllis away from us. What are you talking about? He and Daniel just fights right back. He tells Avery, "You know what? You're no sister." to her. So you really don't have anything to say about this. And furthermore, Nick, you're not her husband, so you can just go to hell. In fact, both of you all can just go to hell. And I did think that was a powerful scene where Daniel just dropped down some truth he was like, look, you guys really are not close with Phyllis. You have betrayed her on many occasions. You think you're family, but you certainly don't act like family. And so I thought that was, you know, I, well, I don't necessarily agree with Daniel's idea, I did sort of enjoy him telling off <laughs> Nick and Avery. But Jack is going to be the hard sell. Jack is going to be the one who is going to be most resistant to this. And Jack even flat out said, I am not going to let Phyllis become a science experiment? I mean, I wouldn't either, you guys. I I think... I would never. (laughs) It seems so... I mean, experimental? Maybe that's just me, but that's got some negative uh, connotation, doesn't it? I don't know. I would not enjoy that. But anyway, Jack is the one that's going to have the biggest problem with this. And we saw... So many wonderful flashbacks this week. There was a great montage of... Jack and Phyllis and him having proposed to her for when he did the first time. And gosh, I really would have, I could have even seen more. Michelle Stafford has been on for quite a while. Did you notice though that none of the flashbacks, I'm pretty sure, none of the flashbacks that we have, that we saw this past week were before she left the show the first time? Because Phyllis was on the show for a couple of years, like 94 to 96 or something like that, I want to say. And she was nuts. I mean, it was like a totally nuts over. Character. She left for a couple of years and then came back and was more muted. You know, she was the sort of a, the new and improved Phyllis. She kind of had a job. She was more of a professional. She was a little more mentally, emotionally stable, a little more. But all of the flashbacks we saw were after she came back to the show. Because back when the whole Tim Reed thing, when Tim Reed died, there were some good flashbacks of her before, or maybe I watched it on YouTube. I don't even remember. But the Phyllis. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the Phyllis I really enjoy seeing is that pre-Leaving uh, the show Phyllis, the really wild and wacky, flaming redhead, just seductress. Those were those are some really, really um, great times. But I did enjoy the flashbacks of her and Jack, of course. Um, s- the surprising thing, the surprising turn of events, I guess it was, was out of nowhere... Summer started expressing that she actually agreed with Daniel and she went to Nick and she confessed this, that she felt that maybe... Sending Phyllis to a facility is the best thing for her. And it's odd because, naturally, Nick was concerned. He didn't agree at first. But it's odd that the children were the ones who agreed that this was the good idea. And it it became a point of Daniel and Summer, the children, having to convince the adults that this was the best thing uh, to do. But Summer had to give the hard sell Nick to try to get him to um, change his mind and furthermore Summer asked Nick to convince Avery to go along with this idea because Avery was not having it. She was not about to let someone step in and take her sister away. The sister that for crying out loud she's taking quite a bit of advantage of. It seems like Avery didn't particularly appreciate Phyllis until she was already gone. But Avery... Um, she is determined to find some type of legal precedent to um, keep Phyllis around. And Nick is now in this awkward position of having to convince her otherwise and sort of relay what Summer's wishes are to Avery. And Avery is very resistant. In fact, Avery lashed out at Nick pretty hardcore. She accused Nick of wanting this to happen for Phyllis just so that he could be the good guy with Summer. That I mean, that was a pretty harsh um, accusation, I would say, but Avery really, really didn't want to let Phyllis go. And just sideline here, another Adam and Avery scene. Avery's off at the coffeehouse trying to pour over legal papers to try to find a precedent for keeping Phyllis um, in Genoa City, and Adam comes up and just sort of talks her through it, and it's another heart-to-heart moment, and it's happening more and more. Adam and Avery, I just wonder because I, 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 Avery and Nick, I just don't think they're ever going to make it down the aisle. I think they've had way too many problems. If it wasn't the summer's paternity, then it's everything going on with Phyllis, and I just... Wonder. I mean, Avery even said to to Nick. She accused him. She said something like, "Um, you just want Phyllis out of your way so that you can feel less, so that you can feel absolved, so that now you don't have to deal with the fact of what you did with Summer." And gosh, I thought, I think that's how Avery actually feels. I mean, she may ultimately forgive Nick in the in the uh, immediate moment. But I think that's sort of long-term how she feels. I think she resents him, and I don't think that they're going to end up getting married, and I wonder if that's going to push her in Adam's direction. What do you guys think about that? And, hey, that reminds me, too... Um, that I got a voice message this week from Kim, who made a pretty compelling argument that you know she feels like Nick is getting off way too easy for what he did in the, this whole paternity switch. I mean, yes, Sharon went into the um, lab results and she switched Summer's paternity, but Nick also really did not do his due diligence in finding out if Summer was his in the first place. So um, it does sort of feel like maybe all of this this paternity. Switch which is going to end up um, w- washing away from Nick and all of the blame kind of being put on to Sharon. And I wonder what you guys think about that. Do you think that Nick is getting off too easy? Hmm. You have to leave me a comment and let me know what you think about that. Now, meanwhile as Avery is searching for her precedent, uh, Daniel has decided to, he runs in actually to Michael and Lauren at the hospital, and he's asked Michael to represent him if this issue were to come to trial. And Michael, I think, hesitantly agreed, but he did agree, miraculously, everybody just seems to be like, yeah, all right, ship her off to this experimental facility. Sounds good to me. It's like the exact opposite reaction that I would have. Um, (laughs) But, it created this, a couple of wonderful moments, by the way, between Michael and Lauren and Phyllis because they've had a really good history. I think, you know, more so Michael and Phyllis. I think that they had such a cool friendship and I often thought if things were a little different, I would have loved to have seen Michael and Phyllis hook up. I think they could have been a really, really hot couple, but, you know, Michael got with Lauren, Phyllis got with Nick, and I think there were even a couple of moments where there was some sexual tension between Michael and Phyllis, and I think that would have been who knows if Y&R would have taken that direction instead of Nick and Phyllis and Michael and Lauren. Who knows where we would have been? But there there was this, you know, wonderful moment where Michael and Lauren are in the hospital room with Phyllis and They're both remarking on how um, strange it is to be in a room with Phyllis, and she's silent. What a a, a dawning moment to to realize. And I felt that way as a viewer. It's odd to see Phyllis on screen and not have her yakking up on ya, and fingers and hands flying everywhere, and... (laughs) raised voices. It's just so not Phyllis to have her sitting, you know, lying there in this hospital room. But um, it was nice again to see some flashbacks of Michael and Lauren. And um, I it just it's it's been a lot of really cool flashbacks. And even if it wasn't a flashback, there was another scene of Jack sitting by You know, after I think after Michael and Lauren had left. Jack sitting by at Phyllis's bedside, and he tells this wonderful story of him and Phyllis having gone on a picnic together. And this is a scene we never saw, but Jack paints it in a way that you're totally there with him. They'd gone on this picnic, and Phyllis saw these flowers in the field that she, you know, wanted him to pick for her, and he jumps over this fence, and there's what do you know, a bull there, and the bull starts to charge him, and he has to jump back over the fence, and it was just a, a cute story. And another voicemail I got this week from Gina really you know, said exactly how I feel. Gina said, everything Jack feels, I feel. And that's, that's how I feel, too. It, I really feel as though I've been on this journey through Jack's eyes. And so I guess it was probably more, um, appropriate that Jack has become the last person to accept that Phyllis is going to be shipped away because I, I think I was the last person to accept it too. <laughs> I mean, in reality, the hospital would probably be anxious to get her out of there and in, into a long-term treatment facility. You can't just lay around in a, you know, general hospital forever. You know, eventually you have to go somewhere. So, um, It's so weird, isn't it? Like, Just take a moment to imagine Phyllis, our Phyllis, lying comatose in some mental hospital on some island somewhere with a bunch of white coats around her and just a sterile facility. Can you imagine that? Our Phyllis lying there in a sterile facility. It is hard to accept, and eventually... Everybody started coming around. Avery came around. Um, Nick tried to convince Avery to go along with the children, do what the children would want. And I think the turning point for Avery was when Nick said, you know, Daniel is really doing for his mother what she would do for him. Daniel's really doing what Phyllis would do. And I thought, you know, that is a good argument. That is true, because Phyllis would be up in there taking charge. She would not accept that anyone that she loved could just lie there in a hospital bed. She would want to have them on the cutting edge. She would want to get them better. And so Avery changes her mind. She goes to the hospital and agrees that this is the best thing for Phyllis. And separately, Summer convinces Jack that this might be the best thing and Jack is really only now coming to terms with the fact that well maybe she's not going to wake up maybe the love of my life is never going to wake up again and that's a whole uh, burden for him to have to carry on his own and Summer tries to convince him and I think what she said that sort of changed him was you know that probably we need Phyllis more than she needs us so maybe we need to, you know, go through with this and send her off. And slowly Jack comes around and everybody agrees. Phyllis is going to go. And so now we transition into the goodbyes. (laughs) So everybody sort of had their moment. Summer comes in and um, she just has a really nice speech with her mom and gives her a kiss on the head. And Summer, I think, is just trying to adapt to her completely changing world, but really the thing that hit me (laughs) was Nick. I really, really enjoyed the final moments between Phyllis and Nick, and y and finally showed this wonderful montage of all of the different interactions between Nick and Phyllis, happy and sad. All of those amazing sex scenes. I mean, Phyllis and Nick's relationship was based largely on sex, and they had some good sex scenes. So it was so good to see all of that. But there was also tears. Their relationship was so tumultuous and um, <clears throat> so twisted up and, and uh, so ironic looking back at that scene where um Phyllis and Nick's marriage was breaking up because of Sharon and Phyllis is saying to Nick, "Why can't you see that Sharon is a liar? She's a thief." And Phyllis is basically listing all of these things that you know, all of these negative characteristics of Sharon that at the time weren't as true, and now, I mean just looking at it in retrospect, it's like, "Gosh, she was right. Phyllis was right about Sharon." And it was ultimately Sharon that caused her end so it was haunting to look back at uh, that particular flashback scene but just thinking about Phyllis and Nick's relationship I loved them I mean I have really respected Nick and Sharon's marriage but I got pulled in by that affair with Nick and Phyllis and I was along for that ride and I loved them as a couple very much so and so thinking about the uh, tenure of their relationship I welled up that's when the st- the tears started coming. And uh, Nick's final line to Phyllis was, I'm not going to say goodbye to you because I expect that you're going to come back someday. And I think that's how I feel too. There's a part of me that feels that Phyllis is going to come back someday in one way or another. I'm finding it hard to accept that she's actually gone. But that whole scene with, with Nick's goodbye was really just opening up the floodgates for Jack's goodbye because everyone is getting ready to they're getting ready to ship Phyllis off. It's like the very last moment and Jack says, just give me one minute. He runs into Phyllis's room. he takes out the engagement ring and he slips it on her finger and he says, "I am gonna wait for you. I promise that I will be here when you come out of it. I mean, he he is saving himself for her. And I want us to remember that because that's a big promise. I mean, that leaves Jack really unable to move on until Phyllis comes back. And I thought, well, I mean, A, it was an amazing moving moment. I mean, at that point, I'm crying, crying, crying. (laughs) But I thought, well, gosh, I think that's interesting. Because it does leave the door open for either Phyllis coming back, um, as you know, with Michelle Stafford, or possibly even a recast. I think that's certainly a possibility too. Um, There's a, it's a big, wide open door, and I am glad for that. I, I mean. Jack is going to be very lonely. He's not going to have anyone. He's promised himself to a woman in a coma. Uh, I don't know how he's going to move on, what kind of story he's going to have after this. One interesting thing uh, to note is that Eileen Davidson, very abruptly, is all of a sudden not on Days of Our Lives anymore. She decided to step back. I think she kind of found the schedule at Days of Our Lives to be very, very hectic. Um, And she wanted just to step back, I think, to focus on her family. But just as a card on the table, Eileen Davidson, free agent.
1: You know, I don't
0: think that Sharon is a monster. I don't exactly have the same opinion about Sharon that Phyllis does. But at the same time, it's really hard to make excuses for Sharon at this point. She is something else. She is something above and beyond what I ever would have expected. Um, she is the new villain of the show. And this week, Sharon is so paranoid about what's going to happen to her. She's worried about herself. So she's calling the hospital to try to find out Phyllis's condition. Um, Is she awake? What's the deal with Phyllis? And nobody will answer her phone calls. And Sharon has this interaction again with Cassie's ghost. And Cassie's ghost asks Sharon if she regrets what happened. And Sharon's response was, that the only thing she regrets is Phyllis finding out that she switched those paternity results. Jeez, man, that's kind of harsh. Sharon, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> that's a little extreme. I would think you would have maybe some larger regrets other than just Phyllis finding out about what you did. There's been a lot of major activity, and you that's the only thing you regret. And I got a, another good voicemail this week from Patricia who makes a, a compelling point, and I gotta bring this up to you guys. Is Sharon the new Patty obsessed with her man um no one nothing will stand in her way of getting her man and not even children by the way Patricia brought up the point remember when Patty kissed Summer with that pe- with those peanuts and Summer had the peanut allergy and then she go- goes all you know and and uh, it, it eventually got Phyllis out of the way out of Jack's life which was Patty's only um one track mind Patty only wanted Jack and she didn't have a problem getting Summer sick as a way to get Phyllis out of Jack's life, and here's Sharon doesn't really mind ruining Summer's life in order to get with Nick. That's a pretty darn good point, don't you think? And, I I mean, not to mention the fact that Patty always had this sick uh, idea in her mind that if she just got rid of all the other women then Jack would fall in love with her. And that's sort of where Sharon is now. If Sharon just gets rid of Avery or Phyllis, and then Nick is just going to fall madly in love with her again. So I think that's a really interesting point. I hate to see Sharon traveling down a Patty path because it's so nuts. Um, and um, uh, it's, it's, all, it's over the top nuts. It's, it's not relatable at all. You know, even if there's a villain, I want to be able to relate to the villain on some level. I think that's what makes a good villain. But anyway, Sharon is pacing, pacing, trying to find out, I think, what's up with Phyllis so that she can find out what's up with her future. And Noah shows up at Sharon's house and gives her the news that Phyllis may never wake up from the coma. And Sharon says out loud immediately, I feel so guilty and she should. She should feel guilty. Uh, Even though Sharon didn't push Phyllis, I don't think it was an accident, or I'm sorry, I do think it was an accident. Um, Sharon still played a major part in the accident, so she should feel guilty. I don't think at Sharon's core she's a malicious? I don't think she's like... I don't, I don't know. I don't think Sharon wished Phyllis specific harm or at least maybe I don't want to think that, but um, yeah, she should feel guilty about what happened. So it prompts Sharon to pay this creepy visit to Phyllis. Phyllis is in a coma and Sharon sort of sneaks in to the hospital room and is standing over her and she kind of confesses what she's feeling, which is all twisted up. Uh, Sharon says, I want you to wake up because I feel guilty about what happens you know, what happened, please believe that this is not what I wanted. But at the same time, I also don't want you to wake up because I don't want anyone to know that I switched those paternity results. So Sharon's very torn in a very sick and twisted mental way. If Phyllis had any consciousness at all in her body in that moment, she would have popped up and slaughtered Sharon, but just, like, cut her head right off. And that's not what happened, so we know Phyllis is truly, truly gone. Um, And instead, Sharon just... um, Kind of walks away, uh, just out into the hall where she runs into Noah. By the way, and Noah just looks at her as if no one else in Sharon's life is noticing the spike in erratic behavior. Noah says, "Mom, I know what's going on here. You're you're off your meds. <laughs> you think." Melanie is taking revenge to a whole nother level. (laughs) At the beginning of the week, Melanie reveals that she got her criminal lawsuit moved to the top of the EEOC or something, some federal investigation committee. She got her case moved to the top of the pile because she knows somebody. And to boot, she's decided to file a civil lawsuit against Adam. And she's telling all of this to Billy. And Billy Billy is even like, "Whoa, that's kind of you're taking it kind of far there, don't you think?" Billy tries to talk her down a little bit. Says he's worried that all of this is going to end up backfiring on her. It's going to end up backfiring on you, Billy. You, I don't. You're never going to get what you want out of this, um, and it's just all going to blow up in your face. And Melanie tries to reassure him, and she she says she says this this line, which I think is very telling. Just kind of off the cuff, she says that she's going to make Adam pay one way or another. Hmm. So... I think she's got a couple of levels of tricks up her sleeve. Now, there are some things that she enacted this week, but I'm telling you, I just can't seem to forget. I don't know. She had some kind of doctor's appointment last week. I just wonder if she's pregnant or if she's had some other kind of examination. I'm not sure. But uh, she's, she's a snake. She's a real, real snake. A skinny, little, slithery snake in the grass. And now... Billy is the one that set all of this into the motion. He's the one that lit her fuse and let her blow up. And Adam has been, as far as I can tell, being a pretty good guy. Like, Adam's, I mean, what he did to Sharon, I still am mad at him about. But for the most part, Adam's behaving right now. He goes to the hospital... He uh, is there for Jack. He's trying to support him. And Billy shows up at the hospital at, at the same time and just basically tells Adam to leave. Like, he doesn't need you. Jack doesn't need you. He's got his family butt out, Billy. What do you care if Adam and Jack have some kind of relationship? But Adam is just... Billy's hanging around Adam. Adam's hanging around Billy. Adam keeps going to On the Boulevard, (laughs) even though he and Billy have this adversarial relationship. And so Adam's there at the bar, glutton for punishment, as he gets served with the civil lawsuit papers from Melanie. And Adam... He almost flicks it off like it's a fly on his three-piece suit. <laughs> but then he sees Melanie, and he ends up confronting her. And, like, Melanie is the worst nemesis for Adam. She's no match for him at all. Like, as soon as he challenges her, even in the least little bit, she folds. Like, she, she she's just terrible. Like, Adam says, you know, you can go ahead and sue me. You can play this little game if you want to, but I'm... Uh, There's plenty of ways I can get out of this. Adam even kind of implied that he could buy a judge if he wanted to. There's no way you're going to be able to make this stick. So Melanie realizes pretty quickly she's completely out of her league. She is desperate for revenge against Adam. I don't even know... Why? I mean, I guess she just feels her career is so ruined. Look, lady, move to another city. I mean, I don't see why you can't just pick up and take your losses. No, she continues to gamble. Melanie goes straight to Paul and tells Paul that she wants him to arrest Adam because Adam raped her. Now she's got this rape Charge on the table. And Paul's talking to her, and he says, Okay, well, you're kind of your story's not really coming together. This happened, you know, she claimed that Adam raped her on the 4th of July, and she's just coming to the police now. And Paul says, Look, if you if, she, if this is true, you're gonna have to give me some evidence or something. So Melanie <laughs> Pulls out of her bag and slaps down onto Paul's desk some clothes. Like, in that moment, oh my gosh. Like, you realize she's gonna Monica Lewinsky this. <laughs> she's, like, probably got... Ew! Gross! Adam's, like, semen or something on her dress. And this? This? Is her plan? That is disgusting. It, it's not only like, disgusting, but it's really dark, YNR. I mean, (laughs) rape having so like, (laughs) Melanie accusing Adam of rape is really dark, and then for her to have saved clothes with his semen on him like he's Bill Clinton? What the heck is going on? (laughs) I can't can't even believe that happened. Jeez. Hmm. it's all just going to blow up on Billy. I mean, Melanie's a totally disposable character. Like, Billy's the one that's going to end up paying for this. He ends up asking Victoria to move home With him, And by this point, news of the civil lawsuit has hit the gossip rags. And Victoria doesn't... I don't even think she cares about Billy. I don't think she cares about anything at this point except getting Adam out of Newman Enterprises. She can't wait to ask Billy or anybody, she can, to get the juicy details about Adam and the civil lawsuit. Ooh, sexual harassment lawsuit. Ooh, what's Daddy going to say about that? But Adam seems to indicate that he realizes Billy is involved in this whole thing somehow. So there is a confrontation at the coffee house. Actually, first Victoria shows up at the coffee house, sees Chelsea there and then threatens her again to keep Chloe away from her man. And Adam walks in and Adam kind of implies that to to Victoria that Billy is Having an affair with Melanie, or that there's something else going on, because Victoria kind of pressures Adam or presses Adam about information uh, with uh, what's going on with Melanie, and Adam pretty much says, Why don't you ask your husband what's going on with that? Seems like uh, Billy and Melanie are spending plenty of time together. And uh, Victoria immediately runs off. She's got to go get information that. She goes, oh, what? My Billy's seeing another woman? I don't want him, but he can't have anybody else. So she runs off. And I don't want to fail to mention this brief, brief, brief little scene where Adam and Chelsea are alone together and they're talking just a little bit. I mean, he's got this sexual harassment lawsuit. He doesn't even know about the rape charge at this point, but he's got this sexual harassment lawsuit hanging over his head and it's an awkward convo between he and Chelsea and... Adam tries to change the subject and say something like, hey, did you hear about what happened with Nick and, like, the paternity test results switching? And um, Chelsea says, yeah, you know, I heard about that. Adam says, yeah, lies like that always come out eventually. (laughs) which is very, very true. (laughs) Lies like that always come out eventually. And Chelsea tried to play it off like, well, I'm sure Nick had a a good reason for it. Mm. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Now, just I have to tangent just a little bit more because Chelsea is sitting and having um, a little little uh, lunch or a little coffee with Dylan, and she found out that Dylan is doing a, a project for Billy. Billy had asked Dylan to build a shelf for Victoria as a way to get back into her good graces, and Chelsea immediately finds out that Dylan is doing work for Victoria? Well, you can't. you you got to stay away from Victoria. Chelsea doesn't want Dylan anywhere near Victoria. She realizes that this lie is like a ticking time bomb. And that's when her contractions start. So she's at the coffee house and she starts having contractions, and at first she thinks it's just nothing, but no, it's actual contractions, and it seems like from the previews of next week's show, she's going into labor, or the doctor is, there's maybe some problem with the pregnancy, and uh, she's gonna need to make a choice about delivering the baby right now, and if they deliver the baby right now, then, well, maybe, maybe that was just what she meant. If they deliver the baby right now, then Dylan will know that she's lying about the time frame, this, the whole thing is going to blow up one way or another. And I got a little bit of a tip-off. I don't know if this is true, but a little bit of a tip-off about what might happen with the this whole lie that maybe when Chelsea has the baby, it's going to have some sort of degenerative, eye disease or a vision loss or maybe the child will be born blind or something. Gee, kind of interesting since Adam is blind and his mother was blind and his mother was blind. So maybe that's going to be the big tip off of Chelsea's lie. I'm not exactly sure, but I am excited. I think next week Chelsea's going to have the baby and we're going to see that blow up. And I'm totally looking forward to that. Now, okay, kind of back on track just a a little bit. Victoria, after she finds out about what, you know, Adam said regarding Melanie, Victoria goes to Billy and she confronts him. All she hears is that Billy is spending time with another woman and she has to go and uh, confront him about it. Like, gee, I don't know, maybe is there any way you can blackmail Melanie? To keep her away from your man? I mean, she's... Victoria, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to me the lengths that both Victoria and Billy are going to separately to get back together, rather than just communicating with one another. Victoria's getting all blackmail-y. Billy has... He has um, really, I think, screwed the pooch by even getting involved with Melanie in the least. He's gone to this drastic measure of trying to get Adam in the sexual harassment suit and it's just Billy and Victoria are both choosing totally convoluted paths toward getting back together when if they would just communicate with one another and work on their marriage they could be together it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever and I just don't know if I even care about Billy and Victoria getting back together at all anymore and I really want to know from you guys like I am so tired of this Billy and Victoria have been on the outs for so long their marriage has been unstable for so long is it even worth them getting back together at this point this, this is the question of the week. You've got to tell me, should Billy and Victoria stay together? And I've got a poll, a, n- a new poll up at yrchat.com if you want to go vote in that poll. Should Billy and Victoria stay together? I mean, I'm tired personally of the back and forth about it. If you want to stay together, then stay together. But this is ridiculous. <laughs> So you got to tell me what you think. I need to know how other people are feeling about this. Yrchat.com. Should Billy and Victoria stay together? Let's freaking get the answer to this question once and for all. Now, again, the rape thing is getting really, really dark. <laughs> Back in Paul's office, Melanie is telling her story of her version of the story of Adam raping her and there's this, I don't think it's a flashback I guess it's sort of like an imagine in her mind, like her perspective, her tale of what happened when Adam supposedly raped her and they're in a hotel room at the athletic club and Adam's asking her if she basically has been spying for Victor and she's all innocent and oh you know what why would you think that I was spying for Victor and then Adam like grabs her by the throat and says there's a price for betrayal and he just rips her clothes off and rapes her gosh why <laughs> are like I didn't need to see that scene That was, like, and they even showed that scene in a preview for the, for, like, what was it, Thursday's show. And I was like, oh my, what, who, that's so, so unnecessary. (laughs) I don't know, maybe that's just me. But, it apparently worked in combination with the semen dress or clothes or whatever she has. Paul arrests Adam at On the Boulevard, right in front of Billy and Victoria, for rape... (sighs) So Billy is getting his wish. He wanted to see Adam dragged through the mud, and now here he is with a front row seat for the whole thing. And Victoria just thinks she's going to hop right into the chair at Newman Enterprises and take over Adam's spot and run the company. And she's probably right. I personally wouldn't be surprised if Melanie is still working for Victor, and Victor has orchestrated this whole thing to get Adam out. I mean, everybody wants Adam out of Newman, even though as far as I can tell, he hasn't done anything except a good job. Neil has remembered more about his meeting with Rose. We have an extended flashback now. He remembers her sitting down, them having a drink together, sort of getting to know one another. Neil doesn't remember very much about the situation, other than that he's met this mystery Rose, and he was totally drunk at the time. And he ends up uh, telling Leslie that he remembers meeting someone named Rose, and they decide they need to find out if it's the same Rose. So they both head to Evanston, trying to find the bar. They do. They end up finding the exact same bar that Neil was in with Rose. And Mm -hmm. eh, the mystery continues. They're hot on the trail of who this rose is, and how does it connect to the internet stalker. And there was kind of a funny scene where Leslie is at the bar and some guy comes up and starts to hit on her and Neil walks up behind him and pretty much drags the guy out of the bar like a mama cat carries a kitten, you know, carries her kittens by the scruff and like throws him out and the bartender's all grateful for Neil doing that and so Neil ends up talking to this bartender a little more and the barkeep apparently has an amazing memory. What do you know? The same bartender keeper, bartender works there. Seven years later, whenever it was, he was there in 2007, whatever, five years, something like that, Uh, the same bartender is there tending bar at the exact same shift and he happens to remember Rose and Neil back in the day because... Apparently, there was some, it was a repeat of what just happened with Leslie. There was some sort of purse snatcher in the bar, and Neil beat the guy up, and the bartender remembers Rose and Neil talking like they were best friends. (laughs) Jeez. Kind of ridiculous, right? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but also interesting was part of the flashback that Neil remembered was that Rose talked a little bit about the fact that she has a daughter. The daughter was named Anne, so they were connecting a little bit over their children, and I thought, well that's interesting. Uh, Rose has a daughter, so we must know, Neil must have done something. Hillary's gotta be Rose's daughter, right? Or something. Um, and they, Neil must have done something. I don't know. Maybe they got in a drunk driving accident. Whatever. Rose died Uh, right around that time. I think Rose died right around um, the same time that Neil was with her in this bar. And Hillary, maybe that's her reason for being the blogger and for wanting to get back at Neil. But Neil doesn't remember very much at all about this. So, get this. (sighs) Leslie suggests That Neil go through hypnosis to recover his memories of what happened with Rose. Oh, man. Really? Phyllis is going to an experimental mental hospital off the coast of Georgia, and now Neil may undergo hypnosis to recover his memories? What is this? 1985? 1985? we have another blog post about Lily's crush on Tyler, and Lily's not happy about it, obviously. She immediately goes to Tyler's apartment. She storms in, and as a matter of fact, Abby pretty much follows her right after, uh, because in the blog article, it insinuated that Lily is having a crush on Tyler and that she's jealous of Abby, and so it creates this standoff between Tyler Tyler and Abby and Lily, and Tyler's just standing there dumbfounded, shirtless, (laughs) conveniently shirtless, As Lily and Abby are in there interrogating him. I mean, Lily thinks that he wrote the blog article. She can't think of... She she feels like Tyler's come into her life and ruined it with his sexiness. And now possibly with a blog article. And the fact that this blog article mentioned that whole scene at the underground where... Lily and Kane were trying to have a good time. Tyler comes in with Abby, and Lily was obviously jealous. It says to me, again, obvious that it was Hillary. Hillary was there that night. Hillary admitted to being at the underground that night. So she was there seeing them, and now she's obviously writing blog articles about it. So uh, it's totally Hillary. Um, We have the connection. I just don't know where what's beyond this. um, I thought it was a a little interesting that Lily leaves Tyler's apartment and Tyler's left there standing with Abby trying to explain himself. And he reveals that, yes, there is some truth to it. He did have a crush on Lily. And he even said... Lily reminded me of someone from my past, obviously a love that didn't work out, and I saw in Lily a way to make it right, and now I realize that I can't do that, and I'm moving on. And so Tyler and Abby start talking about how they really want to do things right this time. They're really glad that they're waiting to move on their relationship. They're feeling very mature with themselves for just abstaining from sex and doing things the right way. And then a second later, Abby jumps on him and they start making out and presumably have sex. <laughs> so much for the maturity and the waiting and you know everything you just said. <laughs> now, meanwhile... Lily tromps off has to unfortunately has has to settle for her sexy successful uh husband uh <laughs> I don't know what's so wrong with Kane? Like, Kane, what does he dogs mean? I'd be pretty happy to have Kane as my husband and he's sexy and successful. I mean, what's wrong with Lily's life? But she calls Kane to kind of play off the blog post. She knows he probably saw it and she tried to act like, oh, it's just nothing when it totally bothers her. You know, I think Lily needs to get her job back. She has way too much time to sit around and worry about this blogger and go track down Tyler and what he's doing. She needs a life of her own. I mean, you know, the second Lily starts to feel insecure about Kane and Hillary's relationship, she's just going to go use it as an excuse to jump on Tyler. That's what she really wants to do. It's only a matter of time until that happens, She's got way too much spare time on her hands. So Cain comes back and he is upset about the blog post and Hillary comes in and she says, you know, I feel so bad because obviously um, th- th- you know, my presence is making things worse because the blogger implied, I guess in last week's blog post that Kane was seen with her. And so Hillary offers to quit, says, you know, if I'm causing this much trouble, I'm just going to quit. And of course, they can't let her quit. They have to hang on to her and try to k- sort of keep up the appearances that their marriage is totally fine. They're not worried about this whole blogger thing at all. Lily and Kate are solid. Whatever. Everybody can see straight through this failing relationship. The thing I think that's come out of all of this that's the most exciting is Hillary's potential. Like, frankly, I love the idea of evil Hillary. I had to laugh because I got a voicemail from Kim this week and in it she called Carmine a big twisted puppy dog. Kind of true because as we've gotten to know Carmine a little bit more, there is something in his eyes. that's, you, you know, it's sort of sad, and you feel a little bit sorry for him. But you know, he's also twisted, hardcore. Now the Michael and Lauren and Carmine cabin scene came to a head this week. It, it there was an epic battle royale between Mark, Michael, and Carmine. Michael comes in the door, sees Carmine's got. Lauren tied to the bed, <laughs> and the two guys start to fight. They're just like physically fighting. It's so crazy. Carmine is coming off to me like a cartoon villain, like, ha! <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Carmine punches Michael out. He's lying up, seemingly passed out on the floor. And Carmine goes back to the bed with Lauren. And Lauren's yelling out for Michael. And Carmine just says, What about me? I got stabbed with a fork. <laughs> What is not cartoonish about this, I ask you? It's ridiculous. And before Carmine knows it, Michael is back up and he takes like a poker, like a fireplace poker, I guess. I think that's what it was. And he like whacks Carmine over the back with it. Carmine goes down and all I can think is, is this supposed to be a drama? Or a comedy, because the whole time, like Michael's coming at Carmine, and Lauren's just got this look on her face, like aye, like Lauren might as well be tied to a train track, <laughs> waiting for a Lauren- for Michael to come and rescue her, while Carmine has like on this a cape and like a long swirly mustache and a top hat, and he's like he moves his cape around and uh, flowing in the wind, and he's like ha ha ha, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is totally ridiculous it was awesome up until this last point and then it just jumped over the shark and I couldn't believe it I, I'm like what am I watching here they've built this up for weeks and the, last week when Michael had the gun on Carmine or the week before whenever it was that was good drama this was comedy <laughs> Let me tell you. And actually, that inspired me to put up a brand new caption contest game at yrchat.com. I've got a screenshot of Michael and Lauren and Carmine, and you've got to go to the website. you got to try to caption that picture. It's rife with possibilities. I think it's quite funny. So go check that out. See last week's captions. Um, I think that's kind of a fun little aspect of the new website that you guys will enjoy. Now, I mean, please, please, as soon as Michael whacks Carmine with the poker, Carmine goes down, and Michael goes over to untie Lauren from the bed, and by the time they realize what's going on, they look over, Carmine's disappeared. Again, it's like very Phantom of the Opera. I don't know, something is just like, uh, it's hard to believe. Please, I mean... (sighs) Michael, did you really think that Carmine was going to be out cold because you hit him over the back with a poker? <laughs> so Carmine escapes. Well, and he's out there somewhere that we haven't really seen him except a one little scene of him in a hotel somewhere looking like he got in a fight. And I'm sure he's planning his next move. You tell me, what do you think Carmine's next move is? He's going to come back. This is not the end of him. I hope it's. Next week, and I hope it's better. <laughs> like every time you think, I mean, with the last two weeks, Weiner's teasing us. You think that Carmine's gonna die, and then, oh, he escapes again. <laughs> just ridiculous. Now, in continuing of the totally ridiculous theme, Michael and Lauren all go back to the police station, and miraculously, all the charges are dropped against Michael. Michael's just let go (laughs) primarily because again magically the surveillance tapes not only of the initial crime of assault with a deadly weapon that Michael did in the back of on the boulevard against Carmen with the gun but also any surveillance tapes uh, at the police station have been wiped clean (laughs) what do you know? And there's this shot, it was actually really funny, of Kevin looking cute, like, really proud of himself. Like, he knows he did the right thing. Like, he's on the inside at the police station, he totally wiped all of those surveillance tapes, and he's just like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it was kind of cute, I have to admit. But it's like, at the same time, I think, for crying out loud, if Kevin is such a tech genius, that he can hack the police station security system and just kind of get away with it with a hee, hee, hee you know. then why is he broke? <laughs> if Kevin's such a genius, why can't he just get a job or find a way to make some money? He, he can freaking hack two different surveillance systems at two separate places and he can't run a coffee house? <laughs> this makes no sense to me. But it was that was the funny part, but also again ridiculous because Michael and Lauren are standing there in the police station, so happy that all of the charges against Michael have been dropped. And then Fen comes in and he realizes that his dad's gonna be out of jail. And Fen just goes in to hug his dad, and he's like, "You're coming home." And he hugs his dad, and there's this magic moment between them, and and also magically Fen's drug problem is all better because he and Lauren Lauren had a talk, Fen's hardcore drug problem is over now because he and Lauren had a talk. (laughs) He was high like a day ago. Michael mildly yelled at him, Young man, you and those drugs, you need to stop hanging out with those drugs. And uh, (laughs) Fenn's just like, I know, I'm done. I'm done with the drugs. Everything's better now. And I'm a nice kid now. And everything's just tied up with a nice neat bow now. I was mucho irritated in that moment. I mean, Michael and Lauren go back home and, like, go back to bed and everything, and they're smooching and making love, and everything's just back to better than ever. <laughs> I was pissed, frankly. It was the only, like, it was, i was finally, like, waiting for something to happen. All of a sudden, Fenn's at the ho- hospital, I think to see Summer, yeah. Yeah, so Fen goes to the hospital to talk to Summer because her mom's in, in the hospital, and all of a sudden Fen is super wise, and he's giving all these nuggets of wisdom to Summer, telling her to hang in there, you know? I mean, what? <laughs> what just happened here? This whole f- Baldwin family situation has spiraled into insane depths, and now all of a sudden everything's better. But then, Fen starts eyeballing some prescription pills that some nurse has just conveniently left <laughs> out in the middle of the waiting room. And next thing you know, Michael and Lauren get a phone call. Fen has been arrested for stealing drugs. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe if Lauren and Michael would have spent some time trying to repair their family instead of just their sex life, this wouldn't have happened.
1: Okay,
0: you guys, that, that's it. That's all I got. I hope that you enjoyed this week's show, that you are enjoying the YNR chat, and that you go to yrchat.com and check out some of the goodies I've got there. Vote in the poll. Should Billy and Victoria get back together? You can um, submit a caption for the Michael Lauren Carmine scream screenshot, which should be pretty funny. I've also got a new feature up there. It's called Who Said It?, and I'm going to each week post a quote from the, the past week's show. And you can go in and tell me if you know who said it. This week's quote, is it's a pretty subtle zinger, but it was a good zinger. And I, I think it might be a little bit of a challenge. So we'll see how closely you guys watch the show <laughs> and see if you can get uh, guess that quote. But the site is also actually really cool because... YRChat.com. It's got forums that you can talk to each other with. But, like, the coolest thing, I think, is that it's built on a social networking platform. So it's kind of like... It's got some, like, Facebook-esque features to it. There's a public chat area. If you go to the community link on the main menu bar, there's a forum, there's a a public chat area, but in the bottom right corner of your screen, there's also a private chat box, kind of like on Facebook, and you may very well catch me on there. If you go to the site, like, create an account, I think you have to create an account to use the chat box, Um, and uh, you can see which YNR chat people are online, and there's been quite a a decent amount of people online, and you may very well catch me. So if you go to the site, register for an account, and look down in that main um, chat box, then uh, if, if there's a little Green Dot by my name. I'm online and I have been chatting with some of you guys in, in, in private chat. So if you want to hook up with me, um, if you want to play some games, there's some really good uh, threads going on in the forums right now. Especially in the flashback section of the forums, there's some a lot of people who have been watching the show for way longer even than I have, and that are really into the history of the show have posted some really cool uh, posts about uh, the, you know YNR in the past, which I think is is um, probably one of the more interesting things about the show is its rich, awesome history. So, if you want to read a little bit more about YNR's past, if you want to talk about current storylines, you're always welcome um, to check that out at yrchat.com. All right, podcast peeps, I think that next week Chelsea's gonna pop, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. I just want to see her lies get caught. I want to see her get busted desperately. I know that Catherine's funeral has got to be coming up by the end of the month. Oh, that's going to be... It's going to be a virtual who's who of Genoa City. Anybody that's ever been in Genoa City. I read that Michael Damien is coming back as Danny, so I assume Christine will be back. There's going to be a lot of people present for Catherine's funeral. It's going to be a lot of happiness, a lot of tears, and I'm really glad that I have you guys to share that with. So... Definitely tune in next week, um, and we'll chat again about the show. You're always welcome to um, send uh, me a, a comment. Uh, there's tons of ways you can comment at yrchat.com. You can call in, leave me a voicemail, 309-588-4569. Or you can send me an email. I have a new email address. It's ally, that's A-L-I, at yr Dot com, So it's Allie at YRChat.com. So however you guys want to contact me, whatever is most convenient for you, please feel free. Um, I'm going to try to be online Sunday night, uh, maybe from 10 to 11 Central. I'll try to be on the website at YRChat.com. If anybody wants to chat, we'll see. Um, but you, you can catch me there throughout the week, uh, typically, if you want to uh, just catch me live or, you know, just message me anyway, whatever works for you. Okay. Well, I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Everybody have a good one. Bye.